All right, just one announcement I have for us. Uh, the other ones you can take a look at later. Uh, but the big announcement that I wanted to make um, for sure uh, for those watching online as well is that in February, we're going to try out a different space. All right. So uh, we're only here to the end of the month. And then starting in February, we're going to try out a different space. Okay. So since we have a small group in person, I'm going to go over here and uh, we're going to play this game together, this icebreaker game. Yay. So we could kind of be in a semicircle. Yeah, yeah, we did. All right, so, um, and Riley too. So Riley can't skip out. All right. Okay, so mine is, uh, uh, yeah, sure. Or, unless you want to be in the center of the circle. You want to stay with us for a little bit? Yeah. 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 Um, describe your worst date ever. So I haven't gone on a lot of dates because uh, Becky's um, my first girlfriend, but I do remember going to a dance, school dance once. Um, it was uh, Sadie Hawkins, was it called that when you guys were? Yeah. yeah, it's when, you know, typically the girl asks the guy out to the dance. And so uh, this girl that I really wanted to go with, um, Alicia, I totally remember her name um ended up asking me out so i was like super excited uh and then uh so we went dancing um and we were dancing at school and all that stuff and uh I'm a, i was a pretty bad dancer and i was like telling her how to dance because she was like stiff which is already like bad you know and so that just kind of pissed her off more and then after the dance we went bowling and uh she just wasn't feeling it right and she was just like out of it and all that stuff and uh, we didn't even finish the 10 frames. Uh, we, after like two or three frames, she said, I'm not feeling good. I want to go home. So I was like, oh, okay. So I took her home. So I totally thought I screwed it up, um, which I'm sure I didn't do a great job. But it turns out she had really bad cramps that day, <laughs> which is why she was dancing all weird and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like such a jerk. So uh, that's like my worst date ever, yeah. But she didn't end up hating me, so um, can we just go in the circle? Yeah, who's ready? Which, which? Okay. <laughs> All right, so what's your question? Okay, my question is, what state or country do you never want to go back to? Um, I, I like traveling, so I don't say that I've ever really been anywhere I don't want to go back to, but I mean, Michiganders have like this unspoken beef with Wisconsinites. <laughs> so I don't want to go to Wisconsin. Just there's nothing inherently wrong with them. We just, you know, <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mine says, what's your most powerful and vivid memory? And I don't, I don't know if I have that. <laughs> like, I have a bunch of vivid memories but i don't know if there's something oh you know what for a long time it was very scarring that i went to a private school when i was in kindergarten and um <laughs> uh and they had like a mock election and it was the year that like bush versus gore 
and they like told everyone to vote for Bush and like all this stuff because it was a private Christian school and I was like and the principal's daughter was in my class and I hated her and um, and she came out of the little voting booth and she's like I voted for Bush and I was like cool I'm voting for the opposite just because of you and um, and I was the only person in the entire school that voted for Gore and they went on the loudspeaker the next day and they're like all these people voted for Bush and one person voted for Gore and everyone knew who I voted for it was so embarrassing and the worst ever and I was in kindergarten and it was like yeah, so that's pretty powerful and vivid. So, there you go. But now, are you kind of proud of that moment? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> right? just like, awesome. I don't like you, and I'm going to do what I want. Yeah, so you're the one person. You're the one person in the whole school. Yeah. Sounds like a free and fair election. Yeah, <laughs> they counted my vote. <laughs> okay, mine is similar to yours, Al. I have what's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you during a date? Mm. Um, I don't know how far this falls on the scale of embarrassment but I just remember like it was one of my earlier first dates I still was like getting to know the world and um my date wanted to take us me out for sushi and um it was just like I I like hadn't wasn't good with chopsticks yet and I was dropping it everywhere and there was like rice everywhere and like I didn't know at the time that it's like okay for me to eat it with my hands so I was just like very clumsy with with the chopsticks the whole time. I don't know. And then I felt like I was like making excuses for why. And I just was like unable to hold a good conversation that day. So that's my thing. So I've had to work on my my sweet chopsticks. How's your chopstick skills now? Pretty good. Yeah. I mean better? Not not A plus, but maybe C. <laughs> <laughs> that's good enough. Nice. Um, mine says, what's something you did as a child that your parents still retell the story about? They're not really, I mean, like, now that I have a baby, my parents are like, when you were a baby, you did this, you know, like, constantly. But um, I do have one story that is coming to mind where I was playing with my, <laughs> my sister, Autumn. Um, we're four years apart. And we were playing and she put her hand in the, like, we were doing something where I was, like, shutting the door and, like, doing peekaboo, like, playing like that. And her hand was in the door. <laughs> and I accidentally shut it on her finger. And she was a thumb sucker and it was her thumb. <laughs> and she had to, like, get it all wrapped up. Like, I think we had to go to the hospital, I remember, but she was screaming her head off and then she couldn't suck her thumb anymore. <laughs> My parents have told that to me a few times. That's funny. <laughs> Mine's the most boring card. It says, what's the best compliment you've ever received? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's been at work or something. I'm trying to think when I left, I guess my boss didn't really say much when I recently quit. So he was like, yeah, I mean, he did say I was really great for the team and they were sad to lose me. So it was nice to know that the work I did was good. Nice. So, yeah. uh, so nice. I don't know, I guess. No, it's please don't. <laughs> Emily says a lot too. So that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Riley, is this even on? What card do you have? I got what's the best advice you ever received? 
so the people online are like, who's tapping the mic? <laughs> uh, mine says, what's the best advice you ever received? And it's probably to drink water. Because I didn't used to do that. I used to get like headaches all the time. And now that I drink water, it's like, I'm good. I'm chilling. <laughs> so, yay. <laughs> no, it's from my dad. No, my dad told me. All right. Thank you all for participating. Oh, is anyone not comfortable being recorded? Because obviously that's live stream, but we could like remove you off the recording if anyone's. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. Especially since we're wearing masks, I think it's. So today, um, oh, that wasn't the correct question. Uh, we are talking about unity. So this month we've been going through this series on perspective, like looking at things that we think we understand very well, kind of like taking it apart and looking at it from a different angle, from a different lens, with a new perspective. And um, last week we talked about fear, and today we are talking about unity. And Thank you all for sharing your recent experiences or like childhood experiences. Um, and I wanted to start off with those sets of questions because I wanted to share with you another recent experience that I've had as I've been sharing with our community for the past uh, couple months, actually. I've been taking this class called CPE and CPE stands for Clinical Pastoral Education which uh, is for people in ministry who want to become chaplains, like either chaplain at a hospital, a hospice, uh, army, or even some like uh, schools uh, require CPE if you want to become a chaplain at like a Christian college or a Christian university. And so I, I'm taking this class uh, at Methodist Hospital in Arcadia. And the, the group is really small. The class is really small. It's me. Uh, the educator, who's a middle-aged white guy, um, and uh, my classmates are this 60-year-old uh, Zimbabwe gentleman. Um, he moved from Zimbabwe to take the CPE class right here in Arcadia. Yeah, so apparently this is like a really good program. Um, there is a, a middle-aged uh, single mom, uh, a white lady, and uh, another middle-aged like uh, white guy, okay? And uh, we've been doing a lot of like inner, inner work. So, you know, most traditional schools, you sit in a classroom, you read a bunch of books, you sit through lectures, and uh, you try to remember as much as you can, and you regurgitate it through exams, homeworks, papers, right? And you pretty much tell the teacher, the professor, what they want to hear, right? Um, so you're taking all of this stuff in and then you're like spitting it back out, right? So it's an outside in process, right? You're taking it in, right? Uh, CPE is different because CPE, we look through our family of origin. We look at our past childhood experiences. We observe our behavior, whether it's conscious or subconscious, and we process it and we share it with the group and why we do the way we do the things we do, 
okay? Because when we are in a hospital room, like a patient's room, it's, and it's just the chaplain and the patient, if we are not emotionally intelligent and self-aware, we could do like real damage to the patient, right? We could say or do really harmful things, right? So it's very, very important that we are self-aware and we are emotionally intelligent and we could pick up like certain cues and vibe and energy from the other person as well as ourselves. So uh, CPE is a lot of like inside out process, right? We're processing our past experiences and our behaviors and we're processing it with the group. So with that being said, a couple of weeks ago, our educator uh, presented uh, a list of subjects that he wanted to go over with us, right? And how we interact with these subjects, okay? Uh, and he sent it to us over email. And I was at the hospital uh, doing clinicals, like visiting patients with the other uh, middle-aged white male student, right? And uh, he and I were the only ones in the hospital uh, spiritual care office at the time. And we received the email and I looked at the list and the list looked really interesting. It was like, uh, how do we provide spiritual care for LGBTQ patients, um, black theology and black worldview, uh, critical race theory, how to uh, care for like um, Chinese patients because Arcadia has a lot of Chinese patients and, and so on and so forth, right? And the middle-aged white male who saw the, this list of like subjects, okay, and he's also like a former pastor and a former missionary, um, which tells you a little bit more about his background. He saw this list of subjects and he was livid. He was pissed off, right? He's like, he first asked me, uh, not really interested in what my opinion was. <laughs> he asked me like, oh, what do you think of this list of subjects? And I was like, I think it's really interesting. You know, I think it's really great, you know, and I know that he is a lot more conservative than me. And I also know that the educator is more, much more liberal than I am, right? So I'm kind of in between, right? And I know there's stuff in here that I'm not gonna, and this is what I told him, right? Uh, I know there's stuff in here that I'm not gonna agree with, but I, I still wanna learn. And I'm actually more eager to learn from the parts that I don't understand or I don't agree with because that's how I'm gonna learn more. And the other guy's like, okay, okay. And then he just went off on this rant about how this is all BS. And he didn't say BS, he actually said the word, right? And he's like, he's gonna like leave if like we go through this stuff and like, you know, he's been taught this stuff before. He's sat through classes like this before and this is all BS, right? By this point, he's like yelling, right? I'm like, oh, <laughs> wow, okay. So, um, and this is like an hour, he goes on this rant for an hour, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts. I'm gonna go see patients now. And uh, I went about that day and I was thinking about that um, conversation all week long, right? This happened like a month ago. And uh, after that conversation, I was like, I don't think unity is ever gonna be possible in our little group with this guy in this group. Not because I disagree with him, but because it just, he, he showcased, oh, <laughs> the most important subject on there <laughs> was uh, white fragility. <laughs> I totally forgot to mention that, right? White fragility, right? 
And uh, <laughs> as he was sharing, um, I was like, hey, uh, sorry to cut you off, but like, there's this one subject here, it's called white fragility. Uh, you're showcasing that really well right now. And he's like, oh, don't even get me started, Al. Right? And he's like, you know, going off. Anyway, so um, I was like, oh my God, I don't think unity in this group is possible, right? And I was thinking about why, right? And it's not because I disagree with him, okay? Um, because I, I probably will disagree with a lot of the stuff my educator will say too, uh, but it's just his like attitude and his um, approach to dealing with subjects or, or people who think differently than he does, right? So I, I was like, this kind of led, led me down this rabbit trail. And so for uh, the past like three, four weeks, I was thinking about what does true unity look like? which brings us to today's passage. So um, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn with me or your Bible apps. You can turn with me to Philippians chapter two. Uh, I'm also gonna put it up on here in the NIV. So Philippians chapter two, verses one through 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look uh, should should look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others. Uh, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's pray. Lord, as we uh, dive into this topic of unity, um, it is a word that's kind of like thrown around in our culture, in our society. Um, yet many people, many of us don't fully know what unity looks like. Would you reveal the hidden parts of ourselves that show maybe even our own narrow-mindedness and stubbornness that prevent us from being united with others who think differently from us or who disagree with us or who act um, in a way that we do not um, and help us to strive for unity uh, in our own lives with others as we continue to strive for unity with you. 
We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so unity. It is a word that is often thrown around in today's society. It's kind of like a buzzword, if you will. Um, yet people are unable to be un united with others who are different from themselves. People are so stuck in their ways um, and dedicated with blind allegiance to whatever side that they are on, that oftentimes they are literally unable to listen to the other. We judge people who think, act, believe, or behave differently than we do, so much so that we view them as enemies. And I don't know about you, but the past uh, four or five years, I, we have seen uh, far too many examples of both extreme right-wing people and extreme left-wing people who condemn others who think, act, and believe differently than they do. And we seem, and when I see this so often in our country, um, in greater LA, I think oftentimes like unity might not be possible, but I cannot control what they do. I can only control what I do. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm not one to dictate their lives. I can only do uh, what God has entrusted me to do. And for us as a community striving for unity, what does true unity, healthy unity look like? Which is what brings us to today's passage. Now, Philippians uh, is a letter that uh, the late great apostle Paul wrote to a church in the city called Philippi. Now, the thing that makes the city of Philippi unique is that it is predominantly a Gentile city, meaning it is composed mostly of non-Jews. It is named uh, Philippi after the uh, King Philip, who was the former king of Macedon. And he was the father of one of the most powerful Greek kings in history, who is Alexander the Great. So Philippians by uh, nature are a very prideful people. And so when they encounter people who disagree with them, they butt heads, and they often will do whatever they can to prove the other person wrong, which is kind of what we have in today's society. Now, uh, as I said, the author of this letter, uh, Paul, uh, he, he loved the church in the city of Philippi so much that this nickname for the letter of Philippians is called the letter of joy, because whenever he thinks about this church, uh, he thinks uh, it, it brings him joy uh, in his heart and in his spirit. And joy is different from what we Westerners might consider to be happiness. Okay, Joy for him is not an emotion, it's a state of being. And he being from a Jewish background, he's thinking about joy uh, from his like Jewish perspective, which is actually closer to shalom, the Hebrew word shalom, which is peace. So joy is less about this emotion and it's more about being in the state of being, which is the state of peace. Uh, Paul was a Jew and he came from this very uh, highly educated Jewish background and he was wealthy. He was uh, of this like, uh, like royal um, family and he was esteemed, and uh, he gave all of that up once he became a follower of Jesus Christ because none of that compared to the joy that came 
with his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, he was writing from a very strange place. He was writing from prison. And yet, when he's writing this letter, uh, it's, you could see joy all throughout this book, okay? And the prisons back then are not like the prisons today where they have nice beds. Well, they're not nice, but they're like beds with like cushion on top, right? It's, you know, they have heaters or air conditioners, right? They have three square meals a day, and they're kept relatively safe in their cells unless, you know, uh, something happens in the communal time. Um, the prisons back then were like dungeons, right? Where he's literally chained up, right? And it's cold, it's damp, and he probably got like one meal a day. Um, yet, with all of this going on, he writes this letter with utter joy. And the way that Paul experiences this joy, the supernatural joy, can be explained in one word. Unity. Unity. Unity with Christ through the Holy Spirit, right, on, the, on one hand, and also unity with the body of Christ, which is the church. This brings us to today's passage, which talks a lot about unity, okay? Unity is one of the main themes of this passage, and a lot of what Paul is describing today uh, are the characteristics of Jesus, okay? He says in verses uh, uh, 1 and 2, if there is any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, uh, make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. So really a lot of what he's talking about, he's just describing Jesus Christ. And he's saying in order for us to experience this kind of unity, just model Jesus Christ, just follow in his footsteps. And today's passage teaches us what healthy unity looks like. You can accomplish unity in unhealthy ways. Okay, we see that all the time in our society, but healthy unity looks like this that Paul is describing in Philippians chapter 2. Okay, and the first uh, truth, the first main point that Paul is making in order to accomplish healthy unity is Uh, unity requires clear communication, okay? Unity requires clear communication. Now, if you look at the word community, okay, which is what we're trying to be, okay? Um, oh, and if you guys didn't get a bulletin, uh, all, like these points are in the bulletins as well. You could get it on the way out. Uh, unity, if you look at this word community, okay, it looks like a mashup of two words. What two words do you think that might be? I'll give you a big hint. Oh. <laughs> did you say mutiny? <laughs> uh, both words are on this slide. Unity and communication. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Community uh, is a mashup of these two words, OK? Communication plus unity equals community, all right? Uh, clear communication is important, all right? Because people communicate all the time, but we don't really know what a lot of people are saying, <laughs> right? Clear communication is very important. And this is why um, 
whenever I give messages on Sundays, like I, I want to be sure it's coming from the word. Okay. Um, and, and we don't worship the Bible here. All right. Uh, I, I, I love the Bible and I believe that it is given to us as a gift from God. Um, but this is the best way that we can understand God and how we can best live our lives. All right. So, and, and God, tells us very clearly, he communicates with us very clearly how we are to live our lives. And so this probably isn't uh, much of a surprise to you, um, but community has to begin uh, with clear communication, okay? And that is how unity uh, occurs. Now, growing up in church, I grew up in the church, right? And I heard this word uh, like mission a lot. And um, when I first heard that word, like I think like in junior high, I always thought that was interesting that they used this very like um, militant <laughs> word, right, to describe how we are to live our lives uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, right? Um, which is interesting. And think about the word mission, okay? Um, especially in the in the military context, all right. So let in the army, right? Let's say like there is a general, right, and they are preparing to go to battle, right? The general has to clearly communicate what's going to happen, right? He tells the battalion, right? We're going to go to Normandy in France, and we're going to go to those beaches, and we're going to attack the enemy, okay? And then he probably clearly lays out how that's going to happen. But uh, then they have, like, smaller teams, right? All right, they have the foot soldiers. They have, like, people on air by sea, right? And uh, those smaller teams have, are led by captains, and those captains have uh, people under him that have specific roles, right? Like one person will be the driver, one pe uh, several people will be like foot soldiers, one person will be a sniper, there'll be, there'll be a, usually a medic on the team, right? And he has to communicate more specifically with those individuals. And then those people will also communicate with the captain uh, what they are seeing, what they are experiencing, right? So clear communication in order for a healthy team to work has to happen like all the time. When I think about like our individual purpose or like uh, the purposes that we have in our lives, we have uh, a collective purpose, right? For example, Perch, um, we are striving to be a hospitable community for spiritual wanderers, right? That is our mission statement, <laughs> our purpose. But individually, we also have individual purposes, right? Uh, whether it be as uh, a farm tech or uh, as a mom or for me as a pastor and a chaplain, right? Uh, or as a student, okay? We all have individual purposes, but we also have a collective purpose. And in order for all of that to come together, we need to be able to communicate very clearly. Now, one of the uh, valuable lessons that I've been learning, another valuable lesson that I've been learning in my CPE class is this thing called uh, Jahari Window. Has anyone ever seen this before? No? Okay. Uh, I recently learned about it, which is, um, and it's been really uh, helpful for me in terms of like relating to others and connecting to others. It's called the Jahari window. Um, it's not very original because it was developed by two psychologists, um, doctors Joseph Luft and Harry Ingram. So Joe and Harry Jahari, okay, uh, in 1955, all right? And um, there are four quadrants that they, 
when it comes to like self-awareness, okay? Each person has like four quadrants of like self-awareness. Uh, as you can see up here is open area or arena. And that's the area that's known to yourself and known to others. All right, these are like typically the most obvious stuff, right? Like I'm Korean American, I'm, I'm a male, I'm a pastor, um, I'm also a chaplain, okay, I'm a dad. Okay, these are like more obvious stuff, right? Um, this one on the right is blind spots. Uh, these are not known to self, but known to others. These are things that everyone else sees about you, but you don't know about yourself. All right, this could be like, and these are often like, like sensitive areas, <laughs> right? Like, oh, that guy has some anger problems. Like, I don't have any anger problems. Okay, it's like that, okay? <laughs> or, or um, yeah. Uh, and then this one is the hidden area or facade. These are things we know about ourselves, but we don't reveal to others, okay? I struggle with depression, but no one knows that about me, okay? Or I'm deeply afraid of caterpillars. <laughs> but if I tell people, then, you know, they're going to judge me, okay? These are things that we know about ourselves that we often choose not to share with others. And this part, and this is why this square is the darkest, is neither known to yourself or others, which is scary, right? Um, these are things that may, maybe uh, we do subconsciously or think parts about our lives that like are so ingrained in our behavior and our way of thinking that we're just like blind to it. And we're so blind to it that it doesn't come out at least um, ostensibly, like very obviously, okay? So everyone has all four, right? But the goal uh, of becoming more self-aware and therefore becoming more emotionally mature is this, okay? To hopefully this area will grow. But the only way that will grow is if you communicate, okay? This happens through communication, feedback, right? Asking for feedback. Oh, like, like, like if you're trying to like work on the blind spots in your lives, um, like you want to ask people like, oh, did I do something that, that upset you, that offended you, right? Because I'm totally unaware of that, okay? When I made that joke, did that really hurt your feelings, right? That's asking for feedback or over here, disclosing or giving feedback, okay? Um, if there's a part of myself that I'm like withholding, right? I, um, I can ask beforehand, like, I want to share something personal with you. Is that okay, right? Uh, and, you know, some, you know, most of the time people will say yes, right? And uh, what's, what's here becomes an open area, right? Becomes an arena where you're fully known, right? Now, unfortunately, all four will still be there, but the goal is make these three smaller and make this one bigger. And in order for this to happen, we also need great humility. Unity requires humility. If you are interested in uh, being a part of a community um, that is truly united in a healthy way, it requires humility. You cannot accomplish 
healthy unity by force, uh, with fear, and um, by conforming others, right? Uh, that's not healthy unity. And I don't know about you, but I've been in situations like that before. <laughs> I've been in groups like that before. I've been in uh, workplaces like that before. Now, uh, let's look at verses uh, three and four again. Do nothing out of selfish amb ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, if, if we, let me go back again to the Jahari window. Okay, in order for us to really expand this area to emotionally, spiritually mature and to become more self-aware, and we need to ask for feedback and we need to disclose and give feedback, that requires a lot of humility, right? Like in order to do that well, right? Um, what's the point of me asking for feedback and then when they give me feedback, I like lash out at them and say like, no, you're wrong. You're stupid. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't make sense, right? Like, it, right? So in order for us to truly mature as human beings, to become more Christ-like, uh, we, need, we, we, we need humility. Yes. Now, uh, some Bibles have uh, titles for certain passages or chunks of verses. In my Bible... Um, at the top of chapter two, it says, imitating Christ's humility. We cannot accomplish healthy unity without humility and imitating Christ's humility. Uh, humility in unity requires uh, listening, mutual understanding, letting go, and maybe even compromising. All of those practices require great humility. And in order to truly understand one another, we must have the humility to relinquish power and to admit when we're wrong and to meet them somewhere in the middle. And if you look at uh, Jesus's example, right? Um, and verses five, verses five, oh, verses six through 11, like describes Jesus in greater detail. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Think about how difficult it must have been for someone like Jesus to leave his heavenly throne and come down and to become a dirty, <laughs> filthy human being, like living in this like dirty, filthy world, right? Uh, that might have to require great uh, humility. Not only that, the people that he gathered together uh, for his like first group of disciples, first group of followers, the 12 disciples, they were so different from each other. Peter and Andrew were blue collar workers. They were fishermen, right? And they also worked for uh, James and John's family who, who owned this fishing company. And then there was uh, Matthew, who was a tax collector. There was this uh, anarchist, this government anarchist by the name of Simon. His nickname was Simon the Zealot. And there were all these different people, right? Uh, so many of whom were introverts. Some of them were extroverts. I'm sure some of them were like Enneagram 3s and others were Enneagram 2s. <laughs> and some were Enneagram 8s. Like I'm pretty sure Simon the Zealot was an Enneagram 8, <laughs> right? Um, 
then Matthew might have been uh, Enneagram one because he was all about like taxes and like, you know, uh, doing what's right and wrong and like having a clear line. And he had all these different personalities and yet they were unified for the same purpose of bringing the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Their differences, their personalities, their um, uniqueness were intact while they were still unified with the same goal, the same purpose in mind, which brings us to our last truth. Oh, um, I'll come back to this, all right? Unity embraces uniqueness, not conformity. Unity embraces uniqueness, not conformity. What God is interested in doing, what Jesus is interested in doing with the church is embracing our differences, but erasing our divisions. Okay? Let me say that again. What Jesus is interested in doing with the church is embracing our differences, but erasing our divisions. There is this other psychologist, his name is um, M. Scott Peck. And he, uh, he uh, elaborated on the stages of a community, okay? And there are different psychologists and different sociologists who come up with similar structures as this, okay? But I found that uh, this is uh, very simple and honest and real, four stages of community. The first stage is pseudo-community or like fake community when people come together and they're polite right they have smiles right they don't disagree with each other and they just get along you know? oh everything is just like very surface level and then once you actually get to know each other uh you get into the state of chaos right where people disagree they butt heads right and they blame they argue right and it's chaotic it's messy right and eventually you will enter the state of emptiness where people start leaving, right? Some people will leave uh, a community, right? For various reasons, right? Maybe they disagree and they can't stand it anymore or there's people that uh, they just like uh, cannot be around anymore and they leave, right? But once you go through those first three stages, then you can achieve true community. Now, this isn't necessarily like linear, okay? Um, like if, uh, like for us, um, gosh, our, our community has been around for a, a couple of years now, and we've gone through the first three a lot, right? Um, people have argued, um, some people have left, right? But if there's new people who come, we kind of start over with them, right? And uh, eventually there will be times when there will be like chaos and emptiness. Now this emptiness is not necessarily uh, just people leaving. It can also be like an emptying of ourselves. Like there are parts of ourselves that we like held on to so tightly that we don't necessarily need to hold on so tightly to anymore. Um, and every adult has to go through this. There are things that we've been taught, uh, ways that we've been like raised and lessons that have been indoctrinated in us as little kids that we have to let go of, 
right? And we have to ask ourselves, like once we become like critically thinking adults, we look back at the things that we learned and the behaviors that we have, and we, we can objectively look at it and go like, why do I live this way? Why do I think this way, right? Is it just because my parents taught me since I was a little kid? Um, is it because my private Christian school taught me that I'm supposed to vote this way, <laughs> right? Oh, why do I have to be this way, right? And so it's not only emptying like people leaving, but it's also an emptying of the self, right? And once you can get past those three, then you can get to this place of true community where like we can look at the other and know this person disagrees with me. I disagree with him, yet we can still be in community with each other. In closing, I'll share this last verse. Romans 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The world desires to conform you, but God desires to transform you. So if you want to know the difference between healthy community and unhealthy community, uh, healthy community desires unity, uh, but unhealthy unity desires conformity. They desire to control you by conforming you and making you into little minions. <laughs> the world desires to conform you, but God desires to transform you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for giving us the example of Jesus Christ who humbled himself to be born of a blue-collar family, to be born um, in a cave surrounded by animals, <laughs> being placed in a feeding trough, to be raised under the radar in a shabby town called Nazareth and to perform your ministry as a homeless person, as a homeless vagabond, going from town to town, village to village, relying on the kindness of others while continually serving others and giving of yourself and to ultimately die a criminal's death on a cross to show us and lead the way of what true humility and true unity with God looks like so that we could be united to God. Help us to follow in your example of humbling ourselves, putting others before us, and to be understood to be able to understand what you are communicating to us. We love you, Lord. And we pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week.